Okay, we're on to episode four of the Marketing to Win podcast. Today I talk with Garrett Erickson, who shares his experience with a somewhat normally boring process of delivering on an RFP and how he tried to innovate that experience and deliver something a little more exciting and engaging for the client that ultimately won them the deal. So he also shares a big flub that he made, which I think a lot of email marketers could relate to. So make sure to check it out. Thanks for listening. Let's have you set the stage for everybody about like who you are and what you do and who you work for right now. And then um, as well as the stage for like the story that you're going to share, like what you were doing. And then particularly like what at the time, like you guys were selling and who you were selling to, to kind of set that context. And then, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah, it sounds good. And if you want, I've got like, you know, two successes and a huge fail that, that I could go with. So yes, fails are amazing. I love hearing fails too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can go with, you know, I can go a number of ways with this. So I've got, I've got two good stories of successes and then one uh, pretty decent, you know, flub that we could go to as well. So, and, and, you know, I try to keep my stories short and to the point. So we, we probably have time for this. So uh, setting the stage. So I'm Garrett Erickson. Uh, I'm currently a marketing automation specialist at MarketStar. Uh, MarketStar is a leading outsourcing vendor for a lot of B2B companies, uh, mostly in the tech environment. And they sell, uh, basically the product that we sell is sales teams. So we, companies outsource their sales processes to MarketStar. We hire those salespeople, manage the processes and drive revenue mostly within the SMB markets for them. Um, I'm currently dedicated to one client, uh, a client program was sold and they wanted a dedicated marketing automation specialist. And that's what I do. Um, but my story comes from a past role. My first go around with market star, um, where I was a content manager. So yeah, let's hit it. Let's do that. Yeah. So when I was the content manager, my main responsibility was, I supported directors and VPs of sales and business development to help market start grow. And the main part of that was I supported the proposal process. So I created content. Um, a lot of it was written. A lot of it was presentation oriented. And my, my job was to help these sales guys make the best presentation possible. That's going to go in front of uh, a sales or marketing exec at a fortune 500 company or, you know, a startup with millions and millions in funding that we're going after. So, you know, the crux of this story is we were invited to an RFP um, by Workplace by Facebook. So they were looking for an outsourced vendor to provide them with a sales team that would, you know, attack the SMB market and help them explode and grow in that space uh, to sell this, um, it's an internal workplace communication tool. So basically takes the interface and look and feel of Facebook and applies it to the work setting to manage communications. You can share documents, you can collaborate, you can make video calls, um, you know, set up different groups for projects and, and do all that stuff. So we're going to sell that in the SMB space. So we have, we tackle this beastly document. It's like they have all these requirements. We have to pass their security. We have to do all this stuff. So we have to, basically detail in document form. So it's in a big fat, stupid word doc, um, you know, the way 
that we are the ideal vendor for them. So we're laying it out, we're telling our story, you know, we're pulling in experts from all over the business and we're, we're writing this story together to answer this RFP. So we've got this 40 plus page document by the end of it. And normally what we would do is just attach it as a PDF and send in an email. Uh, but I, with Workplace by Facebook being, and Facebook in general being such a sexy brand, right? As, a, as the VP that I worked with would call it, he, he used the word sexy a lot. So when he was talking about clients. And so with, with, with Facebook being that sexy brand that we wanted to add to our, uh, to our NASCAR slate of brands that we represent, um, I wanted to do something different. And so, you know, as a company, we use HubSpot for our website and for a lot of our marketing stuff. And so I worked with our designer and I mocked up a landing page where we could put the document in this landing page as downloadable content. Um, but at the same time, we were putting other things on there as well to make them really interact with our brand and feel like we could be sticky with them and like, and like we stood out before they even came on site to come see us after reading this document. So like in the bottom of the landing page, there was a link to an ebook that was really relevant to them that they could click on. There was also a link to a deck that I put together of one slide case studies, like five or five or six of them of quick slides that they could consume and say, Oh wow, they've done this for, you know, Dropbox. They've done this for um, HP. They've done this for, you know, this and this and this brand. And then, um, you know, another one was, you know, to some sort of other piece of collateral that they would like. And then in the middle, right next to the place where it was like, Hey, download our thing was a video of Sam Newey, VP of sales saying, Hey, thank you so much for interacting, for letting us participate in this RFP. We really enjoyed, you know, crafting this response. We're excited to get to know Facebook and just having him really jazzed up about the Facebook brand and workplace and getting us, you know, in the door better there. So, so this is this is actually really interesting because like I think you basically just described the process of what like like what an ideal account based marketing play is right like um, whether it was like I like a lot of people treat ABM as something a little more um, like in the case of an RFP, it's more of like done out of necessity because it's like it literally is a market of one as opposed to like I think when people try and tackle ABM, like they like get a book of accounts and then they try and figure out like, okay, these are the ones that we think are the best and we'll build an experience for. But in the case for like you guys, like you literally had like there was one client, they were literally the market and you were just trying to win the market over and like that's that's exactly what an account based play like looks like yeah exactly you know and and it creates a different level of abm strategy where abm strategy can be used not just for demand generation but it can be there to accelerate your pipeline as well um you know you can use it in later stages of your funnel and not just to try to get people you know engaged and aware of who you are um, to that conversion. It's, you know, it's, it can be used as a tool throughout. Um, and, you know, to me, the success was not just that we ended up winning that deal. It was that it took something that is so mundane and so boring and made an experience for that 
potential customer turned out to be a customer so much richer. Um, because if you think about it, Mike, if you're getting like, if you send out an RFP and you send it to 20 vendors and you're getting email attachments from the same people giving, feeding you the same crap over and over again. And then you get this one email from, you know, this guy from me saying, Hey, Michael, it's Garrett here. You know, enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed this RFP process. Hey, click this link. We got, we've got a landing page for you where you can download the document and view it there. And we've got some other cool stuff for you to see. You're like, Oh, okay. Maybe there's something worth talking about here. And so it, and because, you know, technology and some of these low code to no code things like HubSpot and other places make it so easy to replicate those. We were able to do that landing page strategy on other proposals moving forward. It helped us win business with um, a large um, NSI, you know, called GDT based out of Texas. It helped us expand our business within Intel Corporation. Um, and we had a couple of losses along the way, but that was, you know, for other reasons, not just but the landing page became this standard process that made a really mundane process that markets have been doing for decades, um, a lot more enjoyable for us and for them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Tell me like a little bit with that, like, because with those RFP processes, you're really, you're selling to loads of folks, right? Like there's probably a bunch of middle people that, you know, like you said, like one of the, one of the, one of the buyer roles is probably the person that just has to sort through all of those documents that, that are, probably isn't the ultimate decision maker. Right. But it's like their job to, to get through the first round. So talk about maybe like a little bit, how, like, did you guys talk through that? Like how many people did you have to sell to? And then how did you, how did you like research that, how did you research them and figure out how to cater to like to what they would be viewing and consuming? Yeah. So it's just having open candid conversations with uh, the people we were prospecting into. So, you know, we're, we know we're getting this RFP and we just, you know, usually in RFP you have a, an opportunity to ask questions. And so we would ask who's part of that decision-making process. And then we'd be able to go in and at least know their role and you know what they might be looking for in this. So we can highlight that for them. Um, you know, in this case, uh, it was going to executive level team members, but there's also going to be procurement people involved. So, you know, if procurement's involved, okay, you know that you're going to have to have something there that's got some hard numbers that shows ROI and that really shows that person that you're giving them the best value because a procurement person, they're all about how do I save the company money? How do I look good? Because I'm, I got us the best deal, um, you know, whereas an executive, you know, a CEO, CSO, CRO type person, they may just be looking for the ideal partner, you know, regardless of price saying, well, we want someone that we can work with and who understands our values and how to communicate that value. So did you have certain content pieces for those different roles? Uh, yes and no. I mean, we, we figured that having some solid case studies in a place where it's consumable for everyone would satisfy procurements need to see a bunch of ROI and some success stories that show that we know what we're doing and that we're, that we're good for the price we're bidding them at. Um, and then a couple of pieces were there to show some thought leadership that says, look, we're experts at this. Like we know what we're doing. Um, and then the, the actual downloadable document was kind of for everyone. It was like, okay, this not only checks off your requirements, but you know, 
it's, it's going to be telling you guys the right story that you guys wanted to hear too. Yeah. Nice. Um, sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like there's so much to take out of that. Like I, especially with these bigger deals, there's so there's, I think, um, when people tackle ABM, it can get a little bit overwhelming, especially when, um, you're trying to create, like you have to, like, like in my case, I have a really small team. So creating an ABM process that is like, like something that we can execute is difficult because like, we just don't have the resources to tackle it. But in like the cases of these like bigger deals where you can really hone in exactly on who you're selling to. And I think that's the other thing. I think having the RFPs like a really, like if you're not doing hardcore, like ABM type tactics with like, and creating, and I think that's unique because I've been in the RFP process before and um, on the receiving side. And um, yeah, there was literally no like outside of um, the, like the closest that they got was like a product demo where they put our logo up, you know, where you can as like a custom domain or like your instance. And mm -hmm. then outside of that, like they did it like, essentially the normal demo that you could just get off of YouTube for something off. Of, like, and so like, there wasn't much value to it. So, um, I love, I love the idea of like, there are so many buyer experiences that we, we don't even realize exist in like the example of an RFP where you could totally stand out by creating like a stellar experience. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, market stars whole thing, you know, their, their mission statement for a while or whatever is, is that they create great experiences. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of taking it to that level and eating our own dog food. Right. And just saying, yep. look, if we're all about creating great experiences, let, let's create one here and let's create something that they're going to remember. Um, yep. you know, and, and they end up loving it. You know, every time we would send one of those out, I'd go, okay, what did the client say about it? And I was always excited to try to see, you know, if they were noticing that we were making the effort to be different. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, let's jump to the flub because I love flub stories. There's so much to learn. Yeah, so much to learn. So this one I actually posted about on LinkedIn not too long ago. Um, and so it stemmed from a quote from John Wooden. Uh, it, I, I love college basketball. We talk about basketball when we live near each other. Um, be quick, but don't hurry. Right. And I think uh, this was in my last role when I was director of marketing and Arbiter Sports, uh, pre-COVID stuff. So we had this conference that we were going to have, and you know we had just broken up with a longtime partner um, that we had you know sold with, that they were kind of grouped with us, and we were lumped in with them together. And now they were they were going to hop in bed with a competitor of ours, and they were going to have a competing product to our platform, and so you know, we kind of regrouped and we uh, added some other offerings to our platform and we were going to present that, you know, to the, we were going to have the grand unveiling to a bunch of clients from state associations and all these people that we worked with in each state. So we flew them all in, we put them up uh, for the night or a couple nights in Salt Lake City, had this awesome conference that, you know, I, I created the presentation for and helped the C-levels, you know, make all their content and stuff. And then it was on the follow-up email that I had this flub. So we were using Pardot for this and 
Um, so I was creating this email to go out, you know, and I had two emails. One was going to be for the people who actually attended and one was for people who didn't. And it was basically the same message, but it was going to have uh, a couple of different nuances to it just because of, you know, people who attended were getting one message, people who didn't got another. And I was working remote a lot because we had a bunch of snowstorms and I was super tired because we had like a six week old baby. And I just, I got my wires crossed on a couple of things. And so downstairs in my little office and I sent out the right email to the people who came to the conference. So the people who came to the conference and were most engaged got the right email. But I had used a different draft of the second one to send to the people who didn't attend. And it had like pricing info that it shouldn't have had in there. It had like the wrong tone and everything, but I thought that that was approved. And so like these people get the wrong message and it's from the CEO's inbox that I was sending. it. So I sent this, I blasted like dozens and dozens of high level current clients and people were trying to win back or win <laughs> and take away from competition from the CEO's inbox with the wrong message in it. With, I mean, I think even the pricing was wrong too, if I remember correctly, like the pricing was wrong because I didn't, I didn't stop and take a breath and just pay attention to detail. Yeah. And so CEO calls me in, I get kind of chewed out, but he gave me a pep talk at the same time. Like, Hey, you know, you're so much better than this. He's like, we hired you and brought you in knowing that you were a little greener than a couple of people that we had interviewed, but we knew that you could not only get things done but that you were hungry and teachable and coachable. He's like, this is a coaching moment. Don't let details slip. He's like, I don't care if your baby's brand new. I don't care if, you know, this is going on. I don't care if you're tired. You've got to pay attention to the details. Um, and so, you know, it, it was a good learning experience. So I was like, okay, I didn't make any excuses because I knew he wasn't going to accept those. He knew my circumstances, but he also knew that I had the potential to rise above it. And in this case, I hadn't. Yeah. You know, this, well, so this is totally just like a rite of passage for anybody that's like involved with email marketing. Like, like you, you haven't, you haven't lived in the space until you've sent something like completely wrong to like loads of people. And it's like a big deal. Um, you know, the fascinating, the fascinating part of the story that to me, and cause I've actually like, been over the past year, almost lived year and a half, lived kind of like the reverse experience. So like when I was working at Franklin Covey, uh, there was plenty of time to like, like detail was really important. But what that meant was like, we were moving pretty slow comparatively. And now I get moved, I changed jobs over into like really teeny SaaS startup. And it's been a total flip of like, we've got to move fast and some mistakes are fine. Like, like, like moving faster is going to be more important. And so I've made mistakes. And then like, when I make mistakes, it's like, okay, we got to like hone it back and maybe put in a little more process. So it's like this weird, it's like this balancing act where it's like, as long as you're doing it right, you got to move faster. But then as soon as you mess up, you got to tone it back a little bit, make sure you've got extra process involved. It's just like a, there's, it's just a tough balance to like always figure out. Yeah. And it was and Arbiter sports was very much the same environment. I mean, like they brought me in 
company was about a hundred or so people, but we were a marketing team of like two. And so, you know, I'm doing a lot of things myself. My employee was a part-time employee. So I've only got him like 25 hours a week. Um, and so, you know, feeling like I had to just do all this by myself, you know, I just didn't stop and take a breath yep. while I was trying to move a hundred miles an hour and deal with all this personal stuff that going on with a new baby and, you know, being exhausted and helping my wife recover and all that stuff. So it was, it was a really good teaching moment for him and a really good uh, humbling and learning moment for me. That was like, Oh, like, yeah, like you're going to make a bunch of these mistakes probably, but just don't make the same mistake twice. And um, you know, when you find different ways to flub up, you'll learn new lessons. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's, that's, I think those lessons still are probably why every single email market marketer still can't quite handle like, like the anxiety of clicking send to any newsletter, any kind of like pitch like that, because we know there's always the chance that even if you checked it like three times, there could be something. Yeah, so. chance your variable link didn't didn't take, or you know you've got the you're linking to the wrong landing page, or yeah. or you're or you used you know a template that you shouldn't have used, or exactly. you know, you're always concerned. Mass, you're kind of like you you copy something that you did before because it's going to save you so much more time, and then like you missed one of the links. Yep, so that's how it goes. Well, these are awesome. I think there was a lot of cool stuff to take that I think folks will learn from uh, both of these stories. Um, any final like thoughts you want to add in? No, just, you know, marketing is ever evolving. Right. And so it just, as we learn to roll with the punches, that's where the growth comes. And so, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I've, I've learned, especially 2020s taught me, uh, with, you know, losing a job to COVID, taking steps back, dealing with, you know, stress and anxiety of all that stuff that at the end of the day, it's just work, you know, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have great wins, but at the end of the day, this is just to facilitate, you know, trying to enjoy life when, and whatever it gives you. So yeah. just take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> That's good advice. I, yeah. We over, overthink and over index some things too much. So well, I, um, thanks. Thanks for the time, dude. Appreciate you being willing to, to take a, some time to chat.